Hello and welcome to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Rick, joined by Alex and Paula, and this episode is our first ever mailbag. So we're going to skip the topic this week and we're going to speed run our playthroughs. We're going to any percent it, we're just going to say the titles um, and that'll give us more time to crack through. We've got three. I think we should be able to get through those. Uh, lovely questions from our lovely listeners and fellow Discord and forum users. Um, and then obviously we'll round it out with what you listen to the preceding 85 minutes of the show for. Say it with me. How, How long, long to beat the, the game? game. Yeah, that was pretty good. As mate. always, <laughs> well, we'll see in the recording, won't we? Uh, why don't you kick us off, Alex? Because you've uh, you've got a theme to all of your completions this week. Yeah, I've got a Nintendo theme this week, um, and a lot of Game Boy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah, for those who don't know, I got a, a, a modded Game Boy Color recently, um, and I've been going just all out on it. Um, and I've been playing some excellent games. I think I'll start with one that's like not really not a whole lot to talk about uh mr driller i beat it's actually fantastic um and for those who don't know mr driller is essentially this game where you um you're the little drilly dude and you're drilling down through these colored blocks and you know the, if blocks fall on top of you you'll die you have like uh oxygen meter so you have to pick up like oxygen health and you're basically just trying to get down to a certain depth and with as many getting as much points as possible so it's very arcadey um so beating it's not very hard like the game boy color version it's not designed to just beat it right like it's meant to just be played and played and played um to get better and better um so i beat that like an afternoon but it's really great and it looks beautiful on the game boy color um i think it's the same version as one that was released on the playstation except obviously the playstation version probably looks better and probably has a few more modes um but even then i think the game boy color one looks nice if you're looking for like a fun puzzler um and something to just kind of like in the vein of tetris to just kind of like sink into for a little bit it's a great one. Um, and then going back to the non-color Game Boy, although I played Game Boy colored versions of these. So I played Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, DX, which is basically the hack that colorizes it, which I think, Rick, you tried a little bit of too. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's, uh, I'm going to come back to it. It's it's beautiful. I, I think I, I loaded it and immediately sent you a picture. It's like, it's so pretty um they've broken some of the sounds is the only thing so okay. like the mid-level bell it could just be in mind that wasn't playing but it, it's like i remember playing it which i think is the best thing you can hope for from those like touched up editions yeah i agree you know i'm like oh yeah that's what i thought i saw when i was a kid um and i realized this one i actually did play quite a bit as a kid because um I had an I had an, a f- like family friend who he just offloaded all these Game Boy games on me, and this was one of them. And I remember being confused by it when I was young. I was like, "What is this game?" <laughs> um, mm. And I have to say, I really enjoy it. Weirdly enough, I think I still like the first one a bit more, and I'll explain why. Like, I don't necessarily think the first one is a better game. I think I have more fun playing it, and the, and the reason I'd say that is because the first one is kind of this gauntlet where it's just like you sit down and you're like, I'm going to get through these levels, um, and it reminds me a bit more of the original NES version. The thing that I'm not a huge fan of in Six Golden Coins is that they have this conceit, right, where you're, you're trying to get <laughs> six golden coins uh, to enter into Wario's castle. Now, if you go into mm-hmm. Wario's castle and you die, 
the coins revert back to the stages that they were in. And you can go to the stages in any Oh, I, say, I saved scum the fuck out of that as a kid to beat the game. Uh, see, I just turned yeah. it off and I died and started again. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> so that's what a lot of people do, but that's the problem. I think it's kind of an inherent flaw in it because what it ended up doing hmm. is it makes the bosses have to be kind of easy because they can't be too hard or else who the hell is going to want to go and fight them again after losing at Wario, right? They need to be easy enough so that you do have a motivation to go back. But in the end, I think it kind of weakens them because all the bosses are kind of the same. There's one boss that's a little different. Um, that fucking moon boss. <laughs> this one, the, what, the, sorry? the moon boss, like it's in outer space. That boss. Oh, I love that one where it goes, it, it does yeah. like a U shape from side Oh, it's to side. great. I but I'm also boss. like, it, it's great because it made me go like, uh, I'm going to get you. <laughs> but I was also like, God damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think that's kind of the flaw of it um, in and of itself. Other than that, though, it's a wonderful game. I mean, the levels are very creative and interesting. Um, there's lots of little secrets to unravel. And it's just, it's, it's just, it's charming, you know? Like, I think best thing I can say about it is it's, mm. it's very genuinely a charming game. Um, yeah. And it holds up, which you can't say for yes. many Game Boy games, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Like, you could go to this fresh. And have a stellar time with it. Yeah, and it does. And you should, because it, it's quite a short playthrough. Yes. Oh, it is. It is quite short. It's only a few hours. It does hold up better than the first one, for sure. Um, it's only mm-hmm. my personal preference of, like, wanting a gauntlet, like, something to just kind of, like, go through um, that maybe enjoy the first one more. But, like, in terms of an actual game, yeah, you could play this one. And if you play it with the color hack, I'm just like, this shit holds up perfectly well. Like, pop it on an emulator, you're going to have a great time. Um, yeah. Speaking of another one that... I think for some probably doesn't hold up, but I really enjoyed was Kirby's Dreamland, which I also played as a DX hack. So they colorized this thing. Um, this is really interesting because like this is Kirby's introduction, and it's fascinating because there's a lot of things that Kirby will be known for that are not in this. You cannot eat and take up yeah. on the abilities of others, which I thought I would have a problem with, but I didn't really care because like it's. It, <sighs> I know if you know that that's the thing Kirby can do later, it might be disappointing. But when you're playing this game itself, it's so short. It's like an hour long. And it's just some interesting... Yeah, if that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be longer if you decide to explore everything. But like really the concept of it is like, here's a platformer, except you don't have to be that good at it. You know, except the bosses. The bosses can be kind of tough, right? And I kind of like it though in that sense because it gives you so much freedom that you can kind of go and explore the levels as you want. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I think it's really worth playing just to experience how Kirby began. And then obviously there are better versions that have, you know, the different abilities. But yeah, I was surprised actually. Some of the bosses were... They're harder than Super Mario. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it almost felt like a boss rush game because there's yeah. so little in between. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I played this years ago on like a phone emulator. Mm-hmm. So with like, I mean, Game Boy's fine for that because it's a D-pad and two buttons. Yeah, I think it's very skippable, personally. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can happily do something else because it, it's not, I mean, yes, it's the roots of Kirby, but like you say, it's not even really the roots of Kirby as we know him as we sit here now and and, I, and because there's no story there's no real carry of the only mechanic that i can think that really carries over is when he like holds the air in like 
puffs himself up like a balloon. Yeah, well, and there's the shooting um, at the stars, and like there's the tree from all of it. Like I, I will say, it, it has everything. Like King Dedede's there, like all that stuff. But you're right, there's no story in the Kirby games. Really. And the trees in every Kirby game. It's not like you're yeah. not going to see the tree if you don't play this one. Yeah, like they've reused that boss so many times. Um, <laughs> have you played this one? I, it, oh, it's fine. Yep. Sorry, I, go on. I played uh, this one. I think I played the second one. And I played another Kirby game. I, I can't remember which one, though. But in my opinion, the first one was still kind of holds up today. I actually played this game in an emulate, on an emulator um, when I had some like downtime at university. And I had this really old laptop that barely ran anything. <laughs> But the emulator just ran perfectly, so I had a lot of fun playing through the first few Kirby games. Nice. I hmm. it caught my attention that I couldn't like capture enemies and have their powers, but I didn't think it was like disappointing in anything. Also, I just love that Kirby's sprite was supposed to be a placeholder. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Kirby's a placeholder sprite. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be that yep. character. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's actually segue to games that you've beaten. You'll talk about later, Paula. That's true of uh, two of your completions as well. <laughs> oh, I think I know it one. Yeah, <laughs> I see. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I think this one's kind of easy to recommend only because it's an hour. So like, even if you start it and you're like, I don't like this, it's like you're losing nothing if you drop it. You know. <laughs> And I'm sort of saying the same thing the other way. I'm not saying it's like it's fine, but like in the same way that like there's no harm in playing it, there's completely no harm in skipping it. Yeah, it's a perfectly fine game. <laughs> Speaking of other Game Boy games that I've been playing, so I'm working on uh, a little game for the Game Boy um, myself. And so I've been playing a lot of Game Boy games and also looking at games that are made in Game Boy Studio. And there's this one which I don't actually know how to pronounce this name because obviously never settle out anywhere but Dedeus 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 I'm gonna say Dedeus because that sounds good it's dead E-U-S <laughs> um, and so basically this is um, made by one dude Isma, um, and it's a Game Boy horror game with 11 endings and it's really cool and it's really fun so it's basically like <sighs> It does the Majora's Mask thing. You have three days. There's like some calamities coming. Something's going to happen. You wake up with this nightmare. Children in this town um, are all receiving these nightmares. And you're kind of given hints as to things that you can do around town. And I thought that I'd sort of like figured it all out. Like I was like, ah, I got everything. And then when I got to the end, I was like, wait, why can't I do what I think I want to do? And I realized it's like I had set in motion a series of events that that's what's going to happen now. Um, So... It's pretty neat. Like I could see when I finished, I was happy with the ending that I received. I was like, this is a cool ending. Um, but I think there are numerous things that you can do. And there's a lot of like your actions genuinely, you feel like um, something happens afterwards in as small of a way as a Game Boy game can do, right? <laughs> like there are yeah. limitations. But yeah, it's really clever. It only takes you probably like two hours or so to get through one run of it. Um, and it's on itch.io, so like you can buy it if you want. I, I bought like the special edition because I wanted to see his artwork and assets and stuff and you know give some support. But you can also just download it for free. It's totally fine. Um, they also, if you're an avid collector, did a physical release. Yeah. Says the internet. Um, that looks pretty cool, actually. 
And the art's lovely. Mm-hmm. The art's quite lovely. Um, yeah, so I, I really recommend that one because, like I said, free. What do you got to lose? <laughs> um, or if you want to download, buy the actual thing, you could buy the, the nice physical edition. Then I beat a game that I've been playing for a long time, actually. It was just Mario and Luigi Superstar Sega. I beat it! <laughs> I got through the boss rush. <laughs> Which, man, that has a hell of a boss rush at the end. I really, really loved this game. The ending does leave a little bit to be desired, which, I don't know, maybe they tweaked it in the... But I don't think so, because it's it's not so much that there was a problem with the, the fights itself. It's just that there were so many. Um, but it's, it's this is kind of an RPG thing in general, right? Um, it's just I found that this one did it almost a little worse than some others, where it was like the middle part of this game is so much fun and it's so engaging, where you're, you know, you're off and you're collecting... Um, like, at, at one point, you have to collect items of the bean star just you know it's a little thing that breaks apart in this kingdom and you're allowed to just kind of go in any order you want now they do encourage you to get one of them first um which i don't know if if you can really sequence break but you can definitely sequence break after that like you can just go and discover it and it felt really neat i was like i'm playing like a mario zelda rpg game and i'm like it's just it's this beautiful combination of all these genres and the battle system of course is like reactive in the sense that you know you have button inputs that you have to hit when you're playing and it can be kind of tough actually to dodge attacks and stuff like there's times i'm just like oh my god like um you really had to hit it at the right time and and i don't know i was just i was quite impressed by it and i i understand why people like it so much and why i've always heard people say like oh super sega like they love that one that's their favorite and i'm like I think I get it. Like the writing was very clever. They introduced interesting new characters. Um, there's just so many Easter eggs for like all people in the Mario universe, you know, like Egad is in this at some point, you know, like from Luigi's Mansion, like Poltergust and all that. And it's just, I don't know. I, I really dug it. Oh, they even have a little moment where, you know, one of the characters from uh, um, the, oh my gosh, what's the Super Mario RPG on the SNES? Seven Golden Stars. Seven Golden... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So... It's just Super Mario RPG. Yeah, Super Mario RPG. That's it. You're right. right. Yeah, oh my God. That's why I was... It sounds like it should have a fancier name. Um, (laughs) But, you know, the little, uh, like, wooden guy from that one, um, he... Another one. I know, yeah. I know. We we're all like, I know him, but what is his name? <laughs> like, uh, he has a little appearance, but like as just like a, a thing in like a, a shop or something. And so, I don't know. I, I'm... It made me sort of sad to know that that developer has gone defunct um, at this point because I'm like, man, that they were making some really great stuff. Um, mm. And I'll be curious to see if the Mario RPGs ever do continue on because, you know, you for a time, Paper Mario kind of were those things, right? Like, I think Paper Mario was, in fact, a sequel to Super Mario RPG, but then it just changed into its own thing. Um, like in, in when it started, I believe it was being developed as the sequel and then it became its own thing. Um, right afterwards. Yeah. And so then of course the alpha dream came in and they started making these. Anyway, this is the history of <laughs> Mario RPGs. <laughs> uh, needless to say, I think it's, it, it's a good game that's worth checking out and I'm excited to try some of the other ones. Um, I'll, I'm going to probably play Bowser's inside story, which one of the battles at the end gives you sort of like a hint towards where they're going with this in the future. So yeah, has any, you played this one, right, Rick? I did. I played the 3DS remake, I sort of want to call it. It's more like a HD remaster sort of thing. I liked it. I didn't love it. I think it's got a lot of charm. That definitely shines through. Um, visually, musically, in terms of the um, 
overworld interactions i think some of the bros moves and the way that you sort of traverse it it, it made something that can get a little bit dull in rpgs quite exciting yeah. i thought the combat skewed way too easy and i actually found the combat to be a bit of a chore and about halfway through the game just started feeling a bit stodgy for me i i did have to make a bit of an effort to get over the finish line um but I would recommend it to just about anyone. It's a really easy game to get into. It's a really yeah. easy game to play. Obviously, Mario's love character, and there's there's a lot of good things about that game. And I think there's there's probably something there for everyone. I'm curious too because I know I think they they tweaked the gameplay a little bit for the 3DS one because I I honestly found like there are moments where the combat was like quite easy, but it got pretty hard. And like I don't, I think I might have been like under leveled when I <laughs> went towards the end because they had like all of this like all the items I had would be like restore this many points, and I'm like I ain't even close to having that many, <laughs> which probably made it more fun for me because I had to like maneuver it. But yeah, <clears throat> I sort of went the other way, so. Um, the bit, you know, like the deserty bit just above yeah. um, the university. Mm-hmm. I spent a bit of time there, like digging up beans and things before I could actually get through the progression. And I think I I accidentally sort of ground a little bit. And I think I just overleveled myself for the rest of the game. Oh, yeah. I, um, I think overleveling in this game would break it hard. It's not even that it breaks it. It's just that it takes all the tension out of the combat. Yeah. It, you know, the, the moves are still fun to do, mm-hmm. but I was doing bros moves in combat because I had all the SP I could want for, mm. and it was fun to do, not because I felt like I needed to to overcome the battles or because any of the enemies did anything particularly interesting. I mean, there's the odd one that needs a specific sort of fire or lightning attack or something, but 90% of the enemies you can just beat. They, they don't need any kind of special treatment. This is the same as Ratchet and Clank a few weeks ago. I'm talking about all the things that made it fall just short and, and sort of neglecting the fact that it's a good game. <laughs> it, it, it's a lot of fun. You played this one as well, didn't you, Paolo? I feel like you said you played the GBA version. No, no? I haven't played any of the Mario Luigi's um, games. I'm making things up. <laughs> you, should, you, you might oh. enjoy this one. It's, it's, good. it's a good time. <laughs> um <laughs> Nice. Well, okay. I'll get to the last of the so many Mario games, honestly, this week. So I also played, and I I included this as its own thing because I'm also playing the accompanying game with my partner, but I beat Bowser's Fury. Um, I got all 100 cat shines. Um, This game's awesome. I love this concept. It makes Super Mario 3D World look like stupid. Um, Honestly, like I just mean genuinely though, like it's, as I played it, I was like, oh, this is the Mario Odyssey DLC inspired by Super Mario 3D World. <laughs> like, you know, like they included it to this, which which also though, I will say, seeing how awesome this is, I'm like, how dare you go and release Skyward Sword HD without something else too? I'm like, come on, man. Like, this is so dope. You know, like Bowser's Fury is excellent. And it's not very long. You beat it in a weekend, and like I got all 100 shines in not very long. I always want to say shrines. It's driving me 
nuts because of like Zelda influence because it's basically Mario Zelda because you know the whole concept is there are all these lighthouses and it's it's just like it's open world um, and they have little arches where you'll enter in and then it like starts the level like a classic sort of Super Mario Odyssey does. Um, They've Breath of the Wilded it then. It is. It's Breath of the Wilded and it's amazing right. because you can get around. It's it's all in the ocean. It's very um, Super Mario Sunshine inspired as well because there's kind of like the ink stuff and, and it's all ocean but um, that little creature that you ride during Super Mario 3D World, the like orange thing, um, you can ride it everywhere in um, this game, and it's super satisfying. So, and it it's always just appears when you need it. You're like, oh, I gotta get to another island. Oh, there it is. So, yeah, like I, I don't necessarily think buying 3D World is like worth it just for this, but I kind of do um, <laughs> because it's like really, really good, um, and I like thoroughly enjoyed it. It was so good that it made me like, I think I'm gonna go play Odyssey again because I'm like oh shit man i really love this like 3d mario stuff like it's just so satisfying and like getting through all the challenges i will say some of the things are slightly repetitive because obviously each one of them there's like a you know get the five red cat things which is like get the five red coins and then also there'll be like every single one of the little islands there'll be like a there is a block with bowser's face on it that only big bowser can destroy gotta find it and you're like Oh, and then you've got to like bait him into throwing the fire. Yeah, so really, there's like three shines on each one, you know, that are unique. And then the rest are sort of finding things. But it's just so satisfying to control Mario. And like, oh, they do this thing where, sorry, I'm talking way too much today. But they do this thing where you can can equip, like all of the power-ups are kept in the bottom left-hand side. So when you get a power up, it like it store you store it. So you can just like click up on the control pad and select any power up that you want, so long as you haven't like lost it in combat. And it's awesome because like anytime you're like, oh shit, I want to get up there, but I need like the cat power up. And it's like, oh yeah, right, I'll just press up. Oop, got my cat power up. And you go up. And so like if you're really bad at the game and you keep getting hit, you'll lose your power-ups. But if you're pretty good and you don't lose your power-ups very often, you're going to have like a store of them uh, collected. And so like getting coins also just gives you more of those power-ups. And so like actually collecting coins kind of made sense now. And yeah, it was really, I love that mechanic. And I'm like, please have this in every Mario game now. I always want to have a collection of power-ups that I can just use at any any time. So that's what I've been playing. I've playing a ton of stuff and it was all very fun. Mm. <laughs> nice. Shall I jump in? Yeah, why not? You got a big one this week, don't Sweet. you? I have. Should we uh should we just kill the elephant in the room? Let's so do it. I Please. finally beat I finally beat Cyberpunk and I have a lot of thoughts. And they that to be fair, they're mostly the same thoughts as I've had all the way through. <laughs> it is it is a diamond and it is flawed and it is not quite finished yet, really. And I have a lot of problems with some of the practices around the development and release of it. But the product in front of me that I sunk 94 hours into is amazing. And I thoroughly enjoyed like maybe 93 of those 94 hours. Like I, I lost maybe 15, 20 minutes to the odd crash. Um, I did have a few little bugs, but I nothing to the level that you've sort of seen online, at least in my personal experience. And all of these things I'm about to say, I've definitely said at least once on one of the previous episodes. Like it, it just was a a victim to a great degree of the overhyping, maybe slightly inaccurate marketing. 
I know they talked about it being a, an RPG that just happened to have shooting mechanics. Um, that's definitely true. I don't think that necessarily shines through in the marketing so much. The amount of, of combat encounters that I was able to um, stat check my way out of or find an alternative resolution for was actually sh- shockingly high. And I think every encounter can be done either stealthily or without killing. It's like a whole thing. Um, the other thing I think is it depends on how you play as to what kind of experience you have because melee is a bit weird. Melee is very clunky. And if you had in mind that you were going to go and be um, like whipping mantis blades left and right, you can do it. It's not really the best way. Um, I spec'd quite heavily into the um, net running quick hacking side of things. So I'd be pinging detective mission on, like scorching three people's implants, making a fourth person go psycho, making a friendly turret turn on the, on the other people. Um, and if you lean into those elements of it, and also probably if you have a bit of an idea of the, the law behind it, because that you could have a full understanding of the story, but there's certain people, terms, events that are referenced that might go over your head otherwise. It, there's just so much good there. And I'm sad that, that that's not going to shine through for a lot of people because of the things that have happened around the launch. But I am very happy with what I experienced and I feel thoroughly satisfied with the game that I got. And I'm looking forward to the eventual free DLC that theoretically we're going to get. So yeah, that, that, that's me gushing. Thoughts? I'm looking forward <laughs> to playing it at the end of the year. <laughs> when they fixed it yeah (laughs) but really i am looking forward to it i just i got so much stuff to play anyway i'm good i'll wait (laughs) the backlog is real yes the backlog is real (laughs) and and my backlog's been sort of building up over the past three months when that's been like the main thing i've been dipping in and out of um it's literally i've I've only just today started the legends mode of ghost of tsushima which i beat in july and i've been excited about when they announced it and just a couple of things came in and then cyberpunk happened it's like right Legends is going to have to wait for a couple of months. Um, the flip side of that is all my other completions are much smaller ones because it's all little games I've been playing in and around. Um, so I finally went back to Drill Dozer and beat all the secret maps on that. actually loved it more, I think, than the main campaign because the secret levels are brave in terms of making you leverage those mechanics. So for anyone who's listening who doesn't know how Drill Dozer works, um, it's a cartridge with a vibration motor in it. And your left and right shoulder buttons on the GBA are clockwise and counterclockwise drilling. One of the key things it makes you do in terms of platforming is drill into an object and then press the other shoulder button to bounce yourself away. And so in combination with different speeds, so you've got different like bounce trajectories, moving platforms, platforms that degenerate and regenerate. I mean, there was one really clever one where you destroy the platforms and they've got like a, an hourglass on them. So after like two or three seconds, they build back in. So what it asks you to do is jump into the first, drill all the way through to the last, and then kick yourself back off at the last second to land on the first, which by that point have regenerated. And there's, there's so many cool little things like that, that the secret levels trust you as a player to be able to into it and figure out and work with. And, and that was really sort of satisfying to push through. It's only a shame that it makes you go and grind currency to buy them because there's not really many main levels and there's not really much more to see 
when you go through them a second time. So it's a shame that the best content is hidden away behind all those hoops that it asks you as a player to jump through. But it is good. I played Mirror's Edge for the iOS, which is a lost gem. It's wonderful. I think I was telling you guys over message. The only problem is iOS 7, or whichever one it was, uh, broke save functionality for that and a few other games because they changed some of the file pathways um, in the OS. So you have to play it through in one sitting. Otherwise, it, it just won't save, uh, which is fine. It, it, it's, only, it's only a 90-minute playthrough. So um, I set a little bit of, a bit of time aside on the weekend and, and played that. It's lovely. The only drawback is occasionally the swipe controls are slightly inconsistent. And also the final boss is really, really poorly designed. Mm. But you can cheese it quite quickly. And it's the very end of the game. So it, it doesn't even really matter. Um, it's wonderful. I would love them to whack it on Switch with like button controls. Like Fiverr. I, I, I think it holds up even it released in 2011. I think it still holds up now. It's a lovely little 2D platformer. I also, on iOS, I played The House of the Dead Overkill, The Lost Reels. <laughs> that is such and, an iOS um, title. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's um, assets and levels, I think remixed but lifted from The House of the Dead Overkill for Wii and then later PS3 and PC. It's really good. Oddly, it makes you move the reticle with your left thumb and then hit a fire button on the right side. It's not like tapping to shoot. But I think tapping to shoot would have been far too easy and also your fingers would be in the way. So the control scheme actually works. The cardinal sin, because the storefront doesn't work anymore, because it's, it, again, it's a game from like 2011, 2012 when it released. One of the levels, i.e. 25% of the game, is completely inaccessible. This is the problem with, with gaming on these devices over time. Things just break, aren't maintained. Um, and it is a shame. I had a good time with what was there. The other big problem is headshots felt like they were uh, at, at, the, at the pleasure of the devs. Oh, um, you, you, it, it really horribly inconsistent in a way that feels inaccurate rather than like you fucked up. It feels like the game fucked you over. Um, like you, you can be aiming at a head and hit it three times and none of them will register. And in a light gun game where like every shot counts, it's not ideal. Um, but still a great time. Not that that matters because you can't play it anymore <laughs> if you don't already have it. Yeah. Um, I played uh, Metal Slug, the first mission, for the Neo Geo Pocket by way of a PSP emulator. Um, I talked about it a little bit last week when June was on. Um, my thoughts are the same. It's a great D-mate albeit limited by the, the button it's missing. Um, the other interesting thing as well, in a way that the first Metal Slug and Metal Slug Advance, which are the other two I've, I've played to date, don't do, um, it has very significant branching paths. So there's about 15 missions on the way to the final boss. Uh, and on any, any given playthrough, you're going to hit about half of those. So there, there's a lot of spare content to go back and replay. I'm not sure that I necessarily will, only, only because I've got loads more Metal Slug to play. And as good as this is as a D-make, it is a significant control and graphical downgrade versus uh, the main series games. But it is still loads of fun. Um, and I'm looking forward to playing the second Neo Geo Pocket game they made further on in my journey, as it were. Um, and then I've got two more, both of which were like fine. Um, the first one is a game called Night in Plus, which is, uh, if you imagine the original Legend of Zelda, but without the overworld. 
to it's all dungeon. It's it's modern graphics. It's not like NES graphics. Um, and the puzzles are much more understandable, but very pared back. Like you'll be expected to spot certain things in some of the rooms and then use those to match to a, a code to move a wall. Or there's a couple of like quite challenging in places, but relatively basic sliding block puzzles. It took me about three hours to play. And I think that length is about right. And if you know that you like Zelda dungeons, you'll probably like the game. If you don't, you probably won't. It's, it's very sort of uh, does what it says on the tin sort of situation. But it, it was nice. It, it, it was fun enough for what it was. Nice playthrough on Vita. Nice little short one to pick up in, in the downtime I've had working from home. Um, and then the final one, which I really wanted to like, but I just sort of didn't, um, is a game called Bouncy Bullets. So this is a first-person level-based platformer. Its conceit is that you shoot bouncy bullets. So there are, are yellow and purple enemies in the levels, and you have yellow shots on your left trigger, purple shots on your right. Uh, there are also black enemies, and to hit them, you have to bounce a shot off a surface and onto them of any color. In concept, it's all great, and the level design is, is sort of interesting for what it is. The two problems are one, even for the price, which is like budget, it's very thin on content. Um, and two, the controls feel like they are to a fault towards realism, which is kind of weird when you, what do you call those things? You know, the, the inflatable people where they're like wave back and forth and there's not really any arms. It's just a tube. Whack inflatable yeah. filling arm tube men. <laughs> Yeah, so in, in a game about wacky inflatable arm-filling tube men, it's kind of weird for the mechanics to be hewing towards realism. So you turn like a tractor, and you have very little aerial control. Like, you can sort of, at the initial part of your jump, alter it a little bit, but then you're sort of locked in, but sometimes it doesn't feel like you really are, and so your momentum's all over the place. Um, there are areas where to hit a part-time for the three stars you have to run a certain path of it sideways to have any prospect of, of getting a straight line run on the next jump. Um, it, it's just a bit of a mess and frankly unplayable on Vita, which is what I bought it for. Um, I ended up playing it through on PS4, but um, it, I can't in good conscience recommend it. I, it. It's the kind of thing where if it looks good, you should be playing Mirror's Edge or the upcoming Shady Night or... <laughs> Ghost Runner or any one of the other like excellent 3D first-person platforming games that are are starting to come out and gain more and more recognition. So yeah, that that that's like an info dump of all the stuff I've played. Yeah, well, that's what that's, hey, we had two weeks on, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, I've been a busy boy. Yeah, Paula, what about you? What are you being? Yeah, but I had a lot of games to talk about, but you two <laughs> pretty much overwhelmed overwhelmingly beat me in quantity. It's not about quantity, but yeah, it's about quality. I... <laughs> and we beat you in that as well. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so the first game I want to talk about to get out of the way is Backstage Pass. That is kind of like a visual dating sim automate game that I wasn't aware that it had like dating sim mechanics in terms of uh, having to raise your stats to get to specific routes or endings. So, because that's not actually the kind of game I usually want to play, because it is pretty tedious. But I just wanted to give it give it a shot. 
And I have mixed feelings about it. So you play as, um, I'm going to butcher this. I'm going to say it's pronounced Sean. And yeah, Sean. You nailed yeah, it. Sean. Yeah. And she's a first year college student. She's also like uh, her best friend's makeup artist. Uh, her best friend just happens to be a rising star in the music industry. Uh, she kind of like learned like from her mother that is a professional makeup artist, like to do all that kind of stuff. So that's the explanation of why she's so competent at it. So at the start of, of the game, her, par her father gets into a, an accident and isn't really able to work for a while. So she's like, I have to study, I have to work, I have to survive the year pretty much. Uh, so the overall like um, stat racing mechanic comes from you have to be able to keep your scholarship so shit got real. You also need to work at whatever part-time job you end up choosing because that's kind of like her story that she needs the money to help her family. And whatever other tenanigans like just happen like in the middle, like and of course being a dating simulator, you have a variety of bachelors, but you also have a variety of route of routes where you just like end up alone, but follow like your own path and try to become like, I don't know, a professional makeup artist or something like that. Or whatever else floats your boat. So this having like a visual novel part, the dialogue is like pretty good. Overall writing is like sometimes hit or miss depending on how it's worth it, but overall it's more like hit than misses. And in the art department, like eh, I, the character portraits were like pretty good, but they were like all the CGs and stuff were like, some were good, but some were like odd in the sense of our proportions or um what's the word we're looking for or perspective hmm. even if the story was or the dialogue was enjoyable at times and the voice acting really carried the game because uh, the this game is like wholly voice acted in english and the voice acting is pretty good but since it is at the since you have to raise your stats or collect certain items to unlock some scenes and stuff like that, it gets really tedious to get like all the endings. Like super, super tedious. Uh, at one point, I think the other day I said something along the lines of, I almost didn't sleep last night. And that was because of this game, because I was trying to get into a particular character rod. And for some reason I wasn't getting a scene. And then I like, went into some guide on Steam and like one of my stats was just just a little lower than it should be to get that um that it's seen and finally get into the character route. So after like three attempts I was like, oh I see. Fuck you game. <clears throat> um I did end up getting like three of the uh, main route. No uh, yeah, three of the main endings. I got one of the side characters' endings. And I ended up um, screwing up my first playthrough of the game and getting, like, that one ending where you pretty much finish where you start. Like, 
how an eventful your year was. <laughs> yeah, the other the the thing that I found interesting about the game is like, uh, okay, you have like these. What's the word I'm looking for? This is get this schedule that you have to fill with uh, different activities that will raise different stats. But also, you you sometimes like have to buy a specific item to unlock a specific place where you can go, like either shopping or um, raise your stats in some other way. And and you'll sometimes get mails from the agency that you or from another character that needs, for example, a makeup artist. It's very much like, oh, I am gonna respond this mail, and then and then. Responding that mail may trigger like another set of scenes, but then after the third, no, after the second, third playthrough, you pretty much re read all the emails and you pretty much saw most of the entertaining scenes. So yeah, it's not a game that I would like recommend to anyone to get like into this kind of game. It's not also, it isn't a game that I would recommend like to anyone who's like into getting like all the endings or like anyone who is more into the story rather than like a day-to-day -day or a slice of life otome game and also like it caught my attention that none of the songs were particular were like really memorable or really hmm. stuck out to me because like in most vision novels that i play there's like one theme that is like it, it is stuck in my mind for a while for could realize there's like these comic relief kind of a scenario theme that is um, unreliable inventor or in-depth engineer, depending on where you look for it. Um, BF Fury, there's like the opening that is pretty good. And there's like this swing style music theme for a character that is like, yeah, that is a theme that I will um, run in my head like over and over again. In this game, that it is like all about the entertaining industry is like no no song that is like that like that. There aren't any themes that are like good. They're mm. okay. They aren't good. And if I'm if I need to play a game over and over again and skip scenes over and over again, they really the at the very least let the music that I'm listening over and over again be good. <laughs> Yeah, and if, if you're grinding for stats, I imagine that just means like the churn in terms of you can't scum a save from halfway through the game to like see three or four different endings. You have to do it fresh every time. Um, pretty much. It wasn't fun. I mean, they yeah. were, were fun, but they weren't like fun enough to be worth it. <laughs> for those of you listening, me and Alex are both pulling faces that just scream yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Let's talk about something more positive because you've spoken or you've completed two incredible 3DS games. So the next games I finished were uh, Box Box Boy and Bye Bye Box Boy. That is difficult to say, but <laughs> they are like very like small and adorable puzzle platformer adventures um, where you play like as this little box character called Box Boy who, who would have thought and you can be like these kind of group of boxes to that help you like um overcome obstacles and pretty much go through the stage. That's like the short version of it. Depending on which um game you play is how complex this mechanic can become, but overall they 
keep it like very simple. Hmm. But um, sometimes lessons some more. And I think like the books by series is like a great example of how less is more. It has like a very simplistic yet super adorable art style. And also like the mechanics are very simple and very easy to understand, but they get very creative with the puzzles. In books by in books box play, sorry, they give you the ability of having like multiple sets of boxes and it is as like a very small addition, but it goes a long way into making the box box play feel like very like fresh and very entertaining and challenging. On the other hand, bye bye box boy has planets, I guess, where um yeah, planets. Where you go and there are like different sets of levels. And in each planet there's like a special set of levels where you are given like a special ability. So for example, usually like you just put your blocks on the ground and you're able like to make a little staircase and jump to the to a higher place. In this game, for example, there is a level where you can use um you can put a box and use it like as a rocket to press a, a, a thing that is on the on the ceiling and activate a, a door. Or the other that stuck out to me is like you make this it's like a like it reminds me of the game Snake that you have this string of blocks that you can move but and they maintain like their shape but the last each time you move the last um block of the chain like well disappears because it's now like you have one more block up front and the way you the way the developers like use all these different mechanics like keeps everything like very fresh it is the game never gets too repetitive. It never overstays its welcome. And also it has like the cutest and most adorable escort missions in the world where you have to guide this little cute boy to the other side of the stage. And it is frustrating. Like, you know how there's like these escort missions where like the character you're trying to bring to safety is like stupid and doesn't value their life? Most of them. Yeah. Oh, this one, like, the little cute boy just helps you along. You just have to make a little path for it to actually be able to help you at its full potential. Hmm. I, one of the things I think they nail with those games, I, I agree with everything you say, they're really excellent. Um, for those of you slightly longer memories, I think this is this is one that I'd highlighted as, as one of the best sort of series of the last gen. Um, they nail the difficulty curve. For, for all the new ideas that they throw out, as you say, for all the... Uh, inversions they make on what is a relatively um, unique, albeit sort of straightforward concept. It never feels like it's asking too much of you. It's always quite gradual in terms of how it ramps it. And also, uh, a lot of the difficulties just in the optional um, objectives. So, like on each level, there's a crown or a number of crowns to pick up, uh, and they're just tied to how many boxes you drop. So, if you want to just muck about and, and sort of cheese it until you get the solution, you can do that but you'll be challenged if you want to get every crown because you have to um, be quite conservative with your boxes, be creative in the way that you set up solutions. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with everything you said. Wonderful. Did you, add, did you play any of these, Alex? 
No, I've never played any of these ones. Uh, I just missed them. <laughs> you know, they just sort of, <laughs> wow. They went by me. You like, might have missed the 3DS ones. There's one on the Switch, so get on that one. Yeah. Yes. I've seen that one. I probably won't because the backlog is real. But one day, one day, uh. I probably I might just one day just go get the 3DS ones because they're probably dirt cheap now. I think they're all dirt cheap in general, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Switch one might have been like a a mid price release, but the the 3DS games are like five each. Yeah. It, it, they yep. are very cheap, and they they're excellent value at that price point. I would have happily paid double for each of them someday, someday. <laughs> so what's the last someday. one? Believe that when I see it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is only fitting uh, for the thirty. 30- fifth anniversary of zelda that i complete the very first zelda game hence the zelda setup you've got behind you it's all clicking together now (laughs) yep (laughs) uh so the lane of zelda originally for the nes or famicom um now available on pretty much everywhere and your uh, including your refrigerator and your toaster because They've just really like so many <laughs> times now. Yeah, they really um, have. Like, yeah, um, Virtual Console, I think in the Wii something store on the Wii. And it is also on Switch on the NSO. And obviously you can emulate it, but don't tell anyone I told you. But <laughs> I actually played this game before, but in this replay, I actually took like half the time to beat it, which, yeah. well, I impressed even myself, I swear. So I played on the Nintendo Switch online thingy. Um, this game, it is an open world adventure game, and it's kind of like the thing Breath of the Wild tried to go back to, mm. and kind of did like a stellar job on that. The story on this game is like super simple, because like, you have Ganon who tries to get the Triforce of Wisdom. At this point, there's like two pieces of the Triforce, this Wisdom and Is there even that much power. of a story? Like, I'm pretty sure, isn't it just like you wake up and they're like, take the sword. <laughs> You're like, you got to do something. Uh, yeah, pretty much. But uh, there's like a screen thingy that right. scrolls up and tells you how Zelda just split the Triforce in eight different pieces and hidden in eight different dungeons. So you have to recover them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you... Travel across the land, far and wide, and <laughs> I'm stop at the Raspberry reference. Yeah, careful before we get a DMCA takedown. <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, but, like, it's funny, because really it's basically like, Zelda has split the MacGuffin into eight pieces. Go get it! And you're like, okie dokie, like, it's, it's basic, but it's great! <laughs> it, is super, it is a very simple story, but it works, like, it gets you moving. Um... So yeah, um, this game is difficult. It is very difficult, but one thing that makes it difficult is that you only move like in four directions. You can only stop whatever is directly in front of you, and you can't, you cannot walk and stop things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strategic so, gameplay. <laughs> Yeah, so it pretty much becomes a puzzle, like, to try to walk in a certain way to not get hit by by the enemy and be able to hit the enemy. And this becomes very apparent in the later dungeons, but only in due time. The items, they're, like, fun to use, but 
don't really ever like do more damage than the sword. They are pretty useful if you want to hit things like from afar, like uh, with the arrow, you kill those funny things that are quite difficult to kill otherwise. And well, the magic one, it only allows you to hit things from afar, but there are things that are immune to magic, so. Oh. And. <laughs> And most of the items in the game are pretty much like um, there to allow you to move to different places or like to discover new places, like the candle to burn specific like bushes and, and cover a door and get like rubies because it is a secret to everybody. Or um, you can bomb a specific um, like a specific walls to either get like um, the old man telling you how to beat a certain enemy or to find, like, a store where you can purchase stuff. The overall idea of the game is, like, awesome. The thing is the execution. Because a bombable wall doesn't look any different from a regular wall. Mm -hmm. And you can only carry eight bombs at a time. You will sometimes get them. You will sometimes get them, like, from enemy drops, though each time you want something to get dropped by an enemy, it will not get dropped by that enemy. Be it rupees, be it bombs, be it life and fairies, whatever you need, you're not gonna find. It's like the game knows what you're looking for. <laughs> Honestly, it's why uh, I it feels like. I was gonna say, I really recommend playing this with a guide. Like, I played it with uh, Phil Summers as the hand drawn um gaming guides which are they're gorgeous um and mm. using his guide like i managed to get a physical copy of it made the game way more enjoyable like it was genuinely extremely fun playing with the guide um it felt like i had like yeah. a little map and i was like ooh, and like going through you know what i mean like it was it was cool it was exactly yeah, you read you read oh sorry go because like um this is a game that you want to play either with a like with a printed or digital map of, of the place because there's like this gray box with a dodge. That is not a map. That doesn't help. So having like a, a map or like a little guide, either even if it's just like tips on what to do or like uh, a specific placements of stuff. Anything that helps you get some guidance on where to go next will make this game tremendously more enjoyable to you. Nice. Yeah, you both read my mind. I was about to say exactly the same thing. Like, there are certain games from that era where you just can't play them straight now, having the context and the the QOL stuff that we're used to. It just doesn't work. Yeah, I actually found a PDF of the manual, the game manual of this game. <laughs> I have it like somewhere in my computer now. Just reading that makes the game like so much less cryptic and so much more fun. Because Remember it has. Manual. Yeah. I miss manuals. I miss manuals too. Remember manuals? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember. Uh, <laughs> I just, like, should we? Um, we're long-winded as hell. We spent an hour talking about what we've beaten. <laughs> uh, oh, do you want to add some more there? Yeah, go ahead, Bella. Yeah, just I just want to add a uh, like. Um, the the game is really fun. Just play like with a guide or something. Um, be prepared for bullshit enemies <laughs> yes. in the later dungeons. Mm. Wish ropes, fuck them. 
Because the the more squishy variety uh, like teleport everywhere. The blue ones never stop moving. And the dark nuts. Oh my god, the dark nuts. No, no. You have to hit them with the sword, either from the side or behind. Uh, you're most probably you will more often than not die from just running into them. Yeah. Um also the music is catchy. Very, very catchy. Also, I got kidnapped by a wall master. You know, the ones that make your life impossible in Ocarina of Time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, those are like the enemies you have to watch out for, but overall, it is a very fun game. Hmm. Um, so none of us have retired anything this week. So whoop, we're going to skip that. It's a first. Um, yeah, that's a first time. Um, and we're going to enter into our speedrun edition of our playing. So I'll go quick here. I'm playing Yakuza 0 still, Super Mario 3D World, Pokemon Training Card Game 2, The Invasion of Team GR, uh, and Ring Fit Adventure. Paolo, what are you playing? I'm playing Daikakuten Saiban, or The Great Days of Thorny on 3DS, and Ops Mafia on PC. Rick? Imagine the timers in the top left corner of your vision. I am playing Hades for PC, uh, Time Recoil for Vita, uh, and Metal Slug 2 for the PSP. Oh, and also... Literally an hour before we started recording, I started the Legends mode of Ghost of Tsushima. Nice. All right. Well, look forward to hearing more about all of those games very soon. Um, now, mm. let's get into our question extravaganza, our mailbag. Uh, we've taken three questions, and we're going to try our best to answer all three of them. Um, so let's start off with a question from our resident cockroach, aka Matt. Um, what is something that you miss from older games and can't really find in more recent releases anymore? We've literally just touched on it, game manuals. I miss them so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, do you know what? Oh, what game did I have? I picked up a game really recently and opened it, and there was, that was it. I'll tell you what it is. I'm very soon going to be starting Stranglehold for the PS3. Mm. And uh, I got the box out. I got it out of my uh, out of my wardrobe. And there's like a 20-page color manual, mm. like different characters in the game, talking about hard-boiled the film that like the character comes from. It's like it just took me back to my childhood, of, like getting a new game and reading the manual in the car on the way home. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh. And that's really the and experience, it, it said, right? They're not coming back. No. Yeah, that that that's the quintessential thing, and it's done outside of like specific physical releases, and even then, like sometimes they're just half arse it. Yeah. Like, um, well, because when you think about it too, like, and, and part of me, like, I miss it mostly for nostalgic reasons, and also understanding that they just are no longer needed, right? Like at the time, it was like we literally can't program in the tutorial on how to do all of this, so you, I need to yeah. tell you how to do it. Right, which is actually kind of a problem in a lot of older games. Like sometimes you pick up an old game and you're like, "How the hell do I do anything?" Like honestly, I picked up Kid Dracula recently and I was like, "How the shit do I do stuff?" And they don't tell you. And I realized, oh, it's because I was supposed to read the manual, but I'm like, I don't have the manual. <laughs> right? So it's like equally, like let me boomerang that one back. Like mm -hmm. there, there's games with awful tutorials that could have mm -hmm. just been a page in a manual. Totally. Yeah. And I, from like a, a um respecting the player's time perspective i just much prefer that personally sorry paolo i feel like i cut you off there oh yeah but i also remember like in the smash bros super smash bros on wii u there's like this very thick manual of all the moves in the game and mm -hmm. it's, i think in smash ultimate it's like a different section like in the game mm. 
But I really miss like just flipping through the pages. That'd be like a dictionary with your switch box. That'd be like three switch boxes with your switch box. <laughs> <laughs> All I the characters really they've got in there now. Christ. I'll tell you what else, actually, I miss from older games. Not being a nickel and dimed once I've bought the game. Oh, yeah. Hey, yo, air horns. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Seriously, though. Seriously. You know, it's interesting because when we were thinking about this topic, when I was thinking about this topic, at least, it's hard because, like, there are a lot of older games that have elements that I wish I could see these days. And the reality is that like gaming has become so it is so accessible now in the sense that there are like many people can create games now too. Right. Like I was just talking about HIO and like game Boy studio and like all these different things. And so like there is almost always a new game in something that you love before. Like the, a lot of that's still there still exists in some form. Um, but when I think of like the bigger studios and it's like well, the ones that all the money's being poured behind, it's like, I, I miss that they kind of go away from certain trends. And like, honestly, as I've been playing the Game Boy again, I'm just, I'm missing simplicity, you know, like it, and it sounds sort of like, obviously there are games that are still doing this, but like the simplicity of some of the adventures that I'm playing um, and the, the limitations are almost something that I like, I'm sort of missing in a way because it, it, it creates such creativity um, and such like pick up and playness, I guess, you know, like the switch sort of tapped into some of that again, but I'll sit down and I'll just like sit on my couch with my Game Boy Color and I can play this thing for just ages. And it's just so entertaining and it feels like it's a natural like start and stop point. And I don't know, I just kind of miss that. Um, and I don't know if that's a fully formed thought entirely and i'm sure we can list countless games that still have that ability to it but i miss when like the studios like that was their actual focus right like it was like a big company has to make sure that this is sort of able to be played um and easily digestible um but still complex it's a lot to ask for but i miss it it's like do you want to phone no 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 crack on crack on Okay, so one of the things that I miss is like either having like a first challenge or just having a challenge when I pick up a certain game. Like, I'm gonna go there. Like, in the case like of Pokemon, for example, in the attempt of reaching a wider audience and being as accessible to pretty much everyone, the main adventure, like, it is really dumbed down. There is like, it is Pokemon Walking Simulator because. You just go in a straight line from one city to the next. And you have this broken EXP chair. So everyone in your party and in your box pretty much levels up. And that takes a lot away from the challenge. Like you can't even like turn the EXP shirt off to have a challenge. Mm. And there's also like those games, those series that have gone for so long or that they kind of like don't have that initial kind of like magic they had anymore. Hmm. Like a little bit like in the Super Mario RPG and the Paper Mario games, like I've heard like a lot of people saying like they want a return to the like older Paper Mario kind of thing mm-hmm. because um they like 
I mean, there are people like find the newer ones like really enjoyable, but like the older ones are like, um, I want my old game again, please. Mm. Uh, not gonna lie, I'm a little bit like that in 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 Fire Emblem when three houses, it's just like all the combat. And the mechanics that made it like really fun and the challenge that made everything like super fun, I think they aren't really there anymore. Like mm. they're like trying to reach a different kind of audience. And I'm starting to realize that I'm still gonna um I'm still gonna like give it a second chance again. But there are like series that are like trying to catch a different audience from the one they initially had. Oh yeah, they're transferring over to more broader base. Yeah, yeah, and and in that process, you end up losing some things and um, and getting others. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I think we see that a lot with long running franchises. Sometimes for the better, right? Like God of War, I think, for instance, did a great pivot um, into its into more, what I think is like a um, wider. I don't know. Like it, it's it's more accessible is the wrong word because it's not like but like more approachable for a larger group of people. And I find that that was excellent, but you're right. Sometimes they do it by dumbing down. And this one, they did it by like increasing the artfulness in the story, but still yep. maintaining the like essentially fun and also challenging uh, combat. If you decide to do some, you know, tough side content, Rick, mm. what, what were you going to, you, you had like a thought earlier there. <laughs> yeah. So I think it sort of ties a bow on, on what all of us have said in, in a sort of way. And I think it's visibility for mm. games. So, what you're saying, Alex, is that there's loads of great stuff. It's just, it's out there to be found. Mm-hmm. And, and Paolo's then talking about how these franchises lose their way. Um, and and I think that the crux of it is being able to see the good stuff. And it it's mm-hmm. almost the, um, the monkey paw of everyone being able to make a game. And there just being so many developers out there. And obviously we want everyone to be able to do it if they want to do it and and have that creative outlet. I know for a fact that I miss in the the sort of pre-online connectivity consoles, seeing something on a shelf and having a pretty good idea of whether it's going to be good or not. Mm. And and particularly from the the bigger publishers when there's not this uh, release it now, fix it later mentality. You know, a game on that disc is going to work and you just put it in and go. And even the Switch, which you say sort of returning it to, I don't own one, but the impression I get from people that sort of talk about them is that that online storefront is a god-awful trash fire mess. Oh, it's a nightmare. Just full. Yeah, 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 yeah. right, right. right. And, And because of that, everyone has access to the storefront. What you've lost is, for want of a better term, curation. Of, of what games are accessible to you and and that that's probably not coming back i mean arguably if you if you go to like a smaller storefront on pc um like a humble or mm-hmm. arguably a gog or you know something else you can get a degree of that um but i think there is a part of me that misses how much easier it was pre all of that um having voiced the thought i don't think it ties everything together as well as i thought it did at the start but, oh, but that's okay <laughs> i stand by it no i hear you and right, like we uh yeah I, the one one other little thing i'll say is i do miss i do miss the era before mobile gaming arrived i just i miss the dedicated handhelds yeah. i'm just let's clarify that though because the first yeah. couple of years of mobile gaming were amazing there was some great stuff the yeah. problem is 
when they when they realised that the best way was to to give it to everyone and and hook the whales and then bleed them dry. Yeah. And everyone else, you you can either suffer through it and and get some semblance of gameplay, or you can you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. Which leads me to the next point that is microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Microtransactions. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> 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 yeah. I miss those things where you know, microtransactions are just like buying the game once and not like I'm looking at you, Pokemon, and looking at you, Atlas, because I you're know. being. <sighs> I miss when we used to From shit bad on monetization. Yeah, sorry. From bad monetization to good monetization? Question mark. Uh, our second question. I like that segue. I don't care. Uh, our next question oh, um, comes from friend of the podcast, Uwe, um, who asks, what are your experiences with Kickstarter, stroke crowdfunding, stroke early access games? Uh, any interesting stories about games you bought, stroke back, stroke followed, that crashed and burned, or games that surprisingly ended up delivering? Um, having asked this question, I'm going to give you to the floor, because I've bought two early access games, uh, one of which was a game called Besiege, uh, another of which was a little game some of you might have heard of called Hades. Uh, <laughs> so that's so well. <laughs> I, 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 I don't really dabble with the the pre-purchase space. Uh, Besiege was the one exception where like I liked what was on offer to start with, uh, and Hades that that dev's got a pedigree, and I, I trusted them to give them the money, and I'll have the 1.0 when it's finished for a slightly lower price. Outside of that, I haven't dabbled with any of it, so I'm hoping you two can fill this void a little bit. I, I think Paula has something on this i'll go quick because i i also don't much but i have started to delve into like the like i said the game boy um like creation sort of scene and a lot of that is like early builds of things right and people like put them out and they're kind of like check this out try it out see what it's like which is pretty fun like just to see how people are doing and there's been some really interesting projects that have come out of that one really recent one was dragonborn which is like this full huge rpg that they made in the game boy using game boy studio um and i think it just got a physical release um which is pretty neat. So I, I've been following that for a little bit, but I haven't like, you know, put money behind it yet. But I have started, not a game, but speaking of things that we missed from back in the day, um, it's a gaming magazine. So I used to be majorly into Nintendo Power. Like I fucking love that thing. I know it was just marketing rag, but um, there's this group, I think they're based at the UK, Ninty Fresh. So it's this like Nintendo-based magazine. That's a great name, <laughs> Isn't it? by the way. Yeah, look That's them up phenomenal. on these- Look them up on Kickstarter. They're doing a 25th anniversary like Pokemon edition uh, this this um, this year right now. But it has like articles from all sorts of different things. Pokemon's just one of the retrospectives. They've done two issues so far. They're wonderful, excellent, lovely articles. Um, just really nice to get. Um, and so yeah, I highly recommend checking them out on Kickstarter and like sending them some love because they make some great magazines and it's super fun to just have that physical media again and just read another old gaming magazine. But anyway, Paolo, what about you? So um, the one game that I actually got in early access and I'm still playing today is Slime Rancher. And I found the game to be like quite like complete and enjoyable, like even on the state of where it was when I got it. Because like the core mechanic of the game and everything like like everything was set like from uh even like back then in the early access like to have like this enjoyable like loop the gameplay loop. And I even remember like how they added in like the 
puzzle mechanics and the ruins and how they started like introducing more types of slimes and more of the world as they developed the game. So now I'm playing my second playthrough of the game and it is it has changed a lot in the sense that there's so much more to do now and there's like customization options. There is like the story that so far it has been amazing because it, you you follow these little notes of somewhere of someone who was here before you. And overall it was a slime rancher for me was an excellent choice of supporting something that I thought it was gonna be like amazing now. Uh because it is. So um the on the other like experience I have with crowdfunding and stuff is and this is like uh, in quotation marks because I only like pledge a dollar to know like how the project is going. And that's kindred spirits. No, kindred spirits? No, kindred fates. One of those. But it is supposed to be like these open world like monster uh catching slash battling game. It's kindred fates, I've just Googled. Kindred it. fates, thank you. Hmm. <laughs> And from the get-go was looking like really good. And so far, I I cannot like receive a mail like a couple of days ago of update number 20 something, 30 something. And the game has been going like quite well. They actually like in like uh some sort of alpha or beta testing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is really looking like amazing. So even if I just pledge a dollar, if I had more money at the time, I pledge, let's say, I don't know, 30 or, or whatever is like needed to get like a copy of the game. Seeing the game now, I would have happily like throw my money up them because uh, they seem like uh, pretty competent fellows at what they do. And the other uh, Kickstarter that I, uh, I'm at is not really a game, it's like game merchandise. Um, because in the Atomic scene, we don't have like much merchandise in this side of the world, and there are like some games like Cafe Enchanted that don't really get any love. Hmm. Um, and there's like this person doing like a Kickstarter for um enamel beans, they are adorable, they are very uh reached their goal, and there are like 10 different beans to choose from. And this person, I research like the the background from Kickstarter from this person. And they're uh they already have done like um stuff like that. So I'm quite confident that everything's gonna turn out uh, all right. Awesome. In fact on that on that point one I'm watching, although I'm not funding, um a recent one if either of you have seen it, Aiden Chronicles. Yeah. This it's the Suikoden guy, right? Suikoden, yeah. Yeah, it's those devs, and they've they've sort of trying to do an Octopath Traveler style art thing. See, um, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say I'm not throwing them any money, but I'm I'm watching, and and when it releases properly, if it looks good, I'll be very happy to throw them some money at that stage. And see, this is kind of how I've 
become when it comes to Kickstarters and all this crowdfunding is that like for video games, if I see something that I'm like, oh, that looks like something I would really love and it's not reached its goal, then I'm like, sure. But like for a lot of these games, when they've reached their goal, I'm like, okay, it's coming out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm like, or it's not, or it crashes at birth. So I'm just kind of like, I'll wait and see, right? Because usually yeah. what it ends up costing, it's usually not that much or less because they go on sale. So like, I mean, ultimately yeah. a lot of the Kickstarter games, I love it. Like I'm glad that it can happen for a lot of them. This Kindred Fate looks actually looks neat. I'm probably gonna follow it too. Um, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like I think these days I don't really invest too much in Kickstarters unless I think they really need it or it's like a physical media, like a magazine. Yeah, especially for the big mm-hmm. ones, like you say, once they've hit their goals, often they're finding a publisher anyway, like it's just a, yeah. a way of them gauging interest. And unless I know I'm desperately going to want to play that game on launch, which to date hasn't happened yet with, with any of the Kickstarters that I've seen, uh, there's not much point. On the on the point of Kindred Fates, just before we move on, because it's sort of related, have either of you played that Temtem? No. Um, like Pokemon Online. I haven't. Uh, mainly because it is an RPG right now. It is in early access, I think. Uh, okay. And for RPGs, I really want to have like the entire story available. Yeah. From the start, and that's very much the reason I dropped Genshin. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that that's fair. Um, right. That that's probably a nice endpoint. So if we bundle on. Um, to our last question. Paolo, do you you want to read this one out for for balance's sake? Okay, so what aspect of a game is more important, is most important to you? Story, gameplay, creativity, other? Is there a top-tier game which crashes it at one aspect, but but is really weak at others? And this was from Dune last week. Yeah, Uh, so we're poaching this from Dune. (laughs) It was one of his other topic (laughs) ideas. So thank you, Dune. (laughs) Thank you, Dune. And sorry for not reading your name first. Shocking. <laughs> June will remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone want to tackle this one first? Um, well, I'm I'm pretty clearly on the record as a as a game player's king kind of guy. For me, a weak story can be carried by stellar gameplay. Uh, the reverse generally isn't true. In terms of a top tier game that crushes it at one aspect but's really weak at others, um. Honestly, nothing immediately springs to mind. This is one where I probably should have thought of it before we came. <laughs> in, in my completions, and I'm going to like frantically pull them up in the background and have a look, there are bound to be games where they absolutely nail one and suck at the other. In fact, tell you what, on that, the, uh, the Telltale games. So um, my, my personal favorite of them uh, is The Wolf Among Us. That game's story was good enough that it got me into the the comic series it's based off of fables uh, and over the course of three or four years for like birthdays and christmas and various things i ended up reading the whole fucking thing which is like 20 trade paperbacks like it, it, it's not an insignificant amount of content to sift through and those comics are fucking incredible if anyone's yeah, like looking for, for graphic novels to read all oh, my days um some of the arcs just wonderful but i mean <laughs> There's barely any gameplay in the Telltale games. It, they, they are interactive stories. And it, I, I'm not going to say they're not games, but they don't really have gameplay, I, I'm happy enough to say. like They have binary choices and interactive moments. But the story means that that doesn't matter because for, for those, what's it, maybe seven or eight hours across the, the four or five episodes, it feels like, um, 
you're there for the story. The the gameplay is just a meaning for you to interact with it and, and, and steer the narrative in the direction that you find interesting. Um, and that that's always the counterpoint to, to how I feel about the gameplay. Like if the story is good enough, the gameplay won't matter. Uh, and then that, that bar for the story, for me at least personally, is always going to be significantly higher than in, in the inverse. Like a, a, a mediocre game can overcome a bad story. Recent example, like Night In that I just beat, the story is you're Sir Lutalot. This is a typical quest adventure. Like there's a couple of half-assed attempts at humor, but you're there to play the game. There's no story to speak of. The Game Boy uh, and is, there doesn't need to be because the gameplay is fine. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say the Game Boy is like chief example of this, where the gameplay <laughs> needs to be strong enough because most of the stories are stupid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's only so many dialogue lines you can fit in a Game Boy cartridge. Uh, yeah, and like even then, it's just like there's only so much you can do. Like you know, I, I'm playing the Pokemon trading card game, the second one right now, and like it actually has like a, a fun little story in there that's interesting. But really, it's because the game, the card game mechanics are so strong. That's what makes it fun, right? Like, and you're like. That's what you tried. Mm. Same with Bowser's Fury. It's, there's no goddamn story in Bowser's Fury. Like, there's like a little bit of one. There's a there's a you know inciting incident, and then it's just like, all right, go have fun, get shines. <laughs> you know, like you're a cat. Blah! You know, like that's like basically it. You know, but like the gameplay is so much fun that you're just like you're down. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and genuinely, <laughs> that's honestly what it feels like. I felt like the developers were like, kitty cat, you know? And you're just like, all right, I get it. You like cats. Um, and so just like, that was it. Oh, but yeah, so I don't know. Like, I agree with you. Like, I'm, I just find that it, it, there needs to be a marriage for me, usually, of at least two things uh, gameplay and some form of like artistic like creativity. And I'm like, nice. Or the gameplay and the story is interesting and maybe the slides a little bit. Like, there's always needs to be like, kind of like, I find personally for me two little hooks that I need to get into it. Um, and I don't know why that's how it is. It's just my own framing, but usually it's like with Game Boy, for instance, it's like, you know, simplicity plus fun gameplay. I'm like, nice, I'm in. Um, but I find if there are situations where I've have played a few games where the story is just so stupid that I'm like, done <laughs> you know like you're just like yeah, it can fully turn you off but then that's the same with the gameplay like if gameplay is mm-hmm. fundamentally broken yeah i i'll go and watch the story on youtube like why yeah. why am i here <laughs> and and actually just to round out myself in terms of games that mechanically are incredible and have more or less no story rocket league mm-hmm. i have i've spent two thousand plus hours on that game there is no story to speak of the story is you are car you put ball <laughs> in net um and arguably Muramasa and, and a couple of other Vanillaware's titles, like they have a, a story, but the story is thin in the context of the game. But they historically, prior to 13 Sentinels, which excels in far many other areas, they historically have always been incredible crafters of game mechanics, of combat mechanics. And there could be no story whatsoever. I would be there for that. Yeah. Um, Honestly, too, like I will forgive sort of mediocre, kind of boring turn-based gameplay if I find the story interesting enough. And I'm thinking mostly in like you know JRPGs and stuff like that, um, you know, like, like the Game Boy and stuff, or even the Game Boy Advance, like something like Golden Sun, where yeah, the gameplay it's not like that crazy um, within the battles. Yeah, there's some interesting elements to it, but like ultimately, it's not it's not that insane when it's turn-based. Um, but if I find the story to be engaging enough, and there's enough kind of wonder and interest in it i'm i'm down but anyway it's enough of 
uh, Rick and I. Paula, what about you? Okay, I've been thinking about this question for a little while. And for me, it depends. It depends on what kind of game I'm playing and what I'm looking for in that game in specific. Because like for visual novels, of course, the story has to carry the game. Either the story or like the cast of characters have to carry the game for me to actually enjoy it and get all the endings and stuff. And especially because uh, most visual novels I play, I play them like for many, many hours. There has to be like, it has to be very strong in the art department because if I'm gonna have to sit there and unravel the story and see the same game or watch the same game um, for many, many hours, it has to be at the very least aesthetically. It has to be pretty or aesthetic. I cannot say it for some reason. Pleasing. Aesthetically pleasing. There. In the cases, in the case of other games, let's say Shin Megami Tensei series, I like the combination of game gameplay and story. Like Shin Megami Tensei Four is very very strong in both departments. Yeah, um, sorry, go on. Uh, go on if you want. Really, <laughs> I was just going to say that those games are maybe the the nadir in that they marry excellent storytelling and excellent gameplay, and that that obviously is the dream. Yep, it, it the it's dream. also what what a little game called Thirteen Sentinels I guess Rim does go play it. It's and there we go. That'll round us out. Did you want to add anything, Paula? Or should we move along? Um, I'm, I'm thinking it, it went away. But yeah, um, at least like two aspects of um, story, gameplay, creativity, and sometimes just like prettiness or um, aesthetics. Uh, as long as two of them are like strong enough to carry the, the game for me. Even better if they are like correlating some way or another. Mm. Um, that usually carries the game for me. Like Yoshi's Willy War has no story. It is adorable and the gameplay is awesome. And the gameplay and the aesthetics go hand in hand. There. There's the last example I was looking for. Nice. <laughs> um, well, there you have it, everyone. That was our mailbag. Three questions from the forum. Remember, you can always leave your questions on the How Long to Beat forums, or you can send us an email at uh, hltbpodcast at gmail.com. That was kind yes. of radio voicey. All right, let's. Offer what? Stop class. Terms and conditions apply. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, why don't we move along to everyone's favorite game, How Long to Beat? The game. Uh, the game. Rick, do you want to tell us what we're playing against today? I have it ready to go. I've just mm-hmm. hit shuffle and funnily enough this is a game that was given away last week so we should all own it uh it's absolute drift given away last week. you say that as if it was on epic it was on the epic store you, it was I a freebie play on the pc <laughs> wow <laughs> you mean like <laughs> and you call yourself a gamer i you am like a gamer a console gamer <laughs> <laughs> oh dear the art right. is sliding so, sideways that's the one mm. i completely help like useless context i played this game years ago absolutely despised it 
just could not get on with it. Hmm. But clearly some people do because it, it got like a, a special edition. But yeah, so I, I know what I'm guessing and I'm pretty confident I'm right. So yeah, one, I've completely stitched myself up, but two, I'm going to wait for you guys to say what you're doing before I... So... I mean, it can't be like a really long game, right? Like... Can't it? Um... I mean, it looks very simplistic and I... My guess is that there's like a point where drifting becomes annoying. Like with the Joy-Con, but... I am going okay, to up. do 555. Five, five. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. That's <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm doing 555, five, five. yeah. Five hours, five hours, five hours for me. Because I don't think there's any chance in hell that this is longer than 10 hours. I just don't. I just don't think so. Uh, what about you, Paola? Are you doing 555? <laughs> I think we're all doing 555. Five, five. So, look. And, and the, oh. the points for all of us are going to be 555. Five, five. Wait, uh, Paola is doing five hours, 30 <laughs> minutes, and six here. hours for 100%. Oh. Ooh. All right. Case, you'll never know. Yeah, Rick, what, tell watch us. The 100%, watch 100% completion be 55 minutes, and Paola's just stitched herself up. I would lose my mind. Um <laughs> Yeah. Wait, <laughs> no are you locking it in <laughs> no, uh, no, i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding but, um, we are we are all golden in. main story two and a half main plus is four and completionist is nine so that is <laughs> yeah! a nice five points all around so that means that rick's now at 28 so nothing really changed this week rick is at 28 i'm at 20 points and paula's at 20 points yes i am i am still the peak performer of this podcast Well, there you go, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. We'll see you next week. That's it. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.